welcome to episode three of This is Modern Rock. I'm Will Westerkow, and this is November 1988. Joining me in the studio is Orly. Once again, Orly is joined by a baby. My favorite accessory. Welcome. Um, I'd like to give you an extra special thanks for joining us today. I know it's the end of a long week. Uh, You're very tired. (laughs) I'm very tired. This is true. Uh, But you know what? We, we do it for the kids. Um, all those those listeners out there who who think that chain smokers and imagine dragons are are the best music has to offer oh. we're uh, we're doing it for them. So I'm so out of it. I was like, people are chain smoking like that's your demographic chain smokers. Oh, that's a band. I don't know is that a band? I'm not sure. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Last time when we left off, uh, October 1988, U2 was leading the pack on the Modern Rock Charts with uh, their hit song, Desire. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we move into November, U2 continues to hold on to the top spot. And in fact, they're going to hold on to the number one spot for the first three weeks of November. The same song? Same song, Desire, that's right. So they're kind of... uh, crowding out some other songs that dominate able to yeah they're dominating the charts and um not leaving room for a lot else so we have to uh start our month looking down at the number two spot in fact and since you're making me a regular on this show i'm really working on my on my radio voice good although you know i'm kind of slipping into that too and i'm like but i don't like the radio voice i know but i, I keep it. doing it yeah <laughs> can't help it sorry that was more like a, a trailer voice i think <laughs> yeah that- yeah What's that thing they always say? In a world. (laughs) In a world where U2's desire tops the charts. Every week. We have to dig a little deeper. That's right. Let's dig. So uh, we're looking at a band called the Cocteau Twins. Oh, someone does not like the Cocteau (laughs) Twins. Have you heard of this band? I've heard of them, yes. Hmm. And I'm sure I've heard this song that is you know number twoing yeah um i had not heard this song before i i am only vaguely familiar with the band i've heard one of their songs before it was not this one oh maybe that's not the one i know either well we'll see yeah so um the cocktail twins have been around for for a while they're a scottish band and um at the time they're hitting number two on the charts here they have released uh their sixth album uh which is called blue bell knoll and this is their first uh, their first album to receive like major label distribution in the United States. Okay. Um, they might have been doing something overseas, but uh, I would say, unless you were super cool, you probably were not listening to too much Cocteau Twins in the U- U.S. It seems like this. a cool band. It does seem like a cool band. It's kind of like when I think of them, what I think of is, oh yeah, they're a band that, that cool people like. I was listening to Kokomo. Yeah, me too. Definitely. <laughs> a little like... Hanging tough. Um, I mean, no, no, no. I was always a. <laughs> I w- no, I wasn't either. New uh, kids hater. No, I, who was listening to that? I uh, know. Feel free. Lots of people um, were. Many, many people were. Even when I was a kid, I felt like I needed to be above that. No, so that's the thing. I mean, you were actually like seeking out music. I think um, at that time, 1988, and mm-hmm. I was not. I was, um, I was having music occasionally thrust upon me, often by friends. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes by my sister, but I like I was not buying. I was not listening to the radio. So uh, I was just like w- watching Moonwalker, listening to Bad on repeat, thinking I was going to marry Michael Jackson. Yeah, you're way ahead of me at this time. <laughs> so I was hearing Kokomo because it was everywhere. Um, 
I knew a little bit about the new kids because some friends of mine did a synchronized dance to the right stuff for a, um, of elementary school talent show. Yeah. And I was a little jealous that I didn't get to take part in that. Oh, they left you out? Yeah. Mm, mm. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> anyway, number two spot, Cocteau Twins. This song is called Carolyn's Fingers. I want to I want to hear this. It's evocative, right? Yeah. Like, hmm, who's definitely. this Carolyn? I want to know about her fingers. What's up with her fingers? Should we just listen to it? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Honestly, I don't hate it. Yeah. Yeah, this is only the second time I've heard it, actually. Yeah, hey, it's kind of cool. You know, it is kind of cool. It is cool. God damn it. I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like. I want to not like it because every time I hear this band Everyone's mentioned- Everyone's like, and I'm really into the Cocteau Yeah, Cocteau Twins are like my favorite band. Uh, you probably never heard of them. It's because um, it's pretty good. Yeah. So I kind of want to not like it. Be- and I kind of like I kinda it. I kind of like it, yeah. too. I guess I like it, too, because it has a really good energy- I was expecting it to be a little bit more down tempo or maybe a little bit more melancholy. And even Mm -hmm. though it was, there was like a lot of energy to it. Right. I think I I often, when I think of Cocteau Twins, I will think of the Jesus and Mary chain also. I mean, they're both Scottish, they're contemporaries. And I think they both kind of like this big wall of sound, like washing everything out. And I think both bands are very cool bands that cool people like to talk about. Um, yeah, so I feel like Jesus and Mary Chain often makes me feel kind of bummed out. Um, their early stuff actually literally gives me a headache. I mean, I really have tried to listen to it, and every time I put it on, I get a pounding, throbbing headache. Time for the Advil. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, my brain's not cool enough for that. So this, I think there's similarities, but it's, um, this is more, this is better to me. This is, oh, well, I don't know, but better. This is, I want to listen to this more. I would be more inclined to put this on. Yeah, me too. You know, I think a lot of people really love this band because descriptions I read often describe it as ethereal and dreamy and, you know, heaven-like. I don't know. I mean, I get that to a certain extent, but I wouldn't run towards it with those descriptions. And I feel like there's more to it than that. I really feel like the energy, that's what I was drawn to it. I was surprised by that too. I I kind of expected it to be more washed out and like floaty yeah ethereal and dreamy to me sounds like breathy and boring but Mm -hmm. i was not getting that i will tell you um the my favorite thing that i discovered when i was looking up information about this band i found a blog from 2012 where three young ladies who went to school in london who came from all different parts of the world um, they discovered that Carolyn's Fingers was each of their favorite song. That's fun. And so they became friends bonding over that. Uh, But the best part was they each wrote down what they sing as the lyrics when they sing along. Oh, yeah. I had no idea what she was saying for any lyric. No. And that's the thing. Was it English? Was it Scottish? Um, I did look it up and you go, oh, it's English apparently. But um, do you want me to just, I can read real quick, like what these girls thought she was saying. Yeah. 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 That'd be great. Because I was actually thinking, I think I would like the song even more if I knew what, what was what Carolyn's fingers was all about. 
the first one thought that she was singing, Lisa, you said Laura, chiss and dance with Menahas. Someday you seed him terror house. Those aren't anything. The second thought that she was singing, niece, son, blah, love. Chester hats look nice. Tell me a synonym for Tejas. <laughs> hey, hi, fraud, ye vendler, handler me. Wow. And the third one, she really just had no clue. She said, Ni sem habla chihozed estahen suene. Is that just like phonetically, like vocalizing a native Scottish dialect? No, because it is in English. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, the never lyrics. Mind. Yeah, well, I mean, you might think. Um, so, no, I think it's just incomprehensible lyrics and everyone kind of attaches their own thing mm-hmm. to it. Um, although that thing seems to mostly be nonsense. Nonsense. Words. That's right. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of amazing. I want to know what she's saying now. Now okay, I need to okay. know. Oh, okay. So the actual lyrics are, when he said, you are full of love, she fell down into this dirty mess. Some people see me laugh and tell us it's wrong to make fun of me. When he said... So one lady said she thought I said niece, which is partially true. Because <laughs> he, when he said, <laughs> so so what's what's interesting to me about this is that so many people can can fall so in love with a song, but have no clue what the lyrics are about, and it just doesn't matter to them. There's just the the sound of the music, the quality of the song. I mean, uh, I think that happens in other countries, like when people don't speak English at all and they go to the concerts and they're singing every quote unquote word mm-hmm. and, but they're not, they're just like vocalizing what they think it sounds like. Sure. And I think I I've mean, actually heard you do that with Russian Regina Spector. I do. Before. <laughs> and yeah. It's fun. I'd love to, you know, bring Regina in sometime and, <laughs> and uh, see what she thinks of your, your Russian. Oh, head shaking. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So interesting song. I don't know if this makes me necessarily want to go out and, by a Cocteau Twins album? Um, you know what? I don't know if I'm running on getting the album, but I would say I'll hear a few more. Yeah? I would hear more. Okay. Yeah. I th- I think I like this one more than the other song that I heard. What's and the I, other one? Uh, it's I think it's called Pearly Dude Drops. Drop? No. Something, something I don't like think that. it's Dude Drops. You don't think it's Pearly Dude Drops? I thought you said Pearly Dude Drops. Per- the Pearly Dude <laughs> Drops. <laughs> no, I think it's Pearly Dew Drops drop pearly dew drops drop i believe that's what it's called obviously i have not listened to this song a it ton. is it is called pearly dew drops drop but that is dew drops apostrophe uh meaning that the drops be- belong to the dew drops you guys are getting in too far dudes <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're trying really they're trying really hard it's right it's a little too much yeah but in this case they tried really hard and i think it was successful yeah so, um, okay, so so Cocteau Twins held the number two spot for a couple weeks before they were kicked out of the number two spot. You two still holding on, but another song sneaks into number two. And believe it or not, it is once again Susie and the Banshees. Can't stop her. They are ruling it. They, they are, were like, she was the queen of 1988. Yeah, it really seems that way. So one thing I didn't mention last episode was that uh, Susie and the Banshees uh, song Peekaboo, which we talked about in episode one, mm-hmm. was in the number two position for the entire month of October. So it was number one in September. It was number two for all of October. And just as it's slipping down, 
another Susie and the Banshees song comes on up. All right. Um, this song is called The Killing Jar. Okay, I've heard this one. And I got to say, I love I loved the title. Actually, according to Wikipedia, uh, a killing jar is a device used by entomologists to kill captured insects quickly and with minimum damage. Yeah, so they still look pretty. Yeah, that's exactly right. Dead and pretty. That's what goths are really into. I really love butterflies, except when they're like dead and I kill them and <laughs> pin them to a board. So Very goth. Yeah, very, very goth, right? It's like it's like that that combination of like beautiful and sad morbid. and morbid, yeah. Morbid beauty. Yeah, that's right. So, um this song just like Peekaboo is from Susie and the Banshees. I said 10th album last time. I think it's their ninth album uh called Peep Show. That's all covered in episode 1. Let's just go ahead and he- hear some Killing Jar. Oh. So, um, yeah, that was Killing Jar. What'd you think? I liked it. Although I was spending a lot of time trying to figure out what song it sounded like, which I told you my brain always does. It's like I, I need, it's like I crave the familiarity so bad. It's like, whoa, my brain bends to try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Uh, maybe not quite as cool as Peekaboo. Not Definitely quite as, not. Not quite as inventive. Um, but no, I mean, I still liked it, but I liked no. It. Yeah, I liked what was going on. Uh, I liked the kind of froggy, the croaking frog sound effects in the background. I mean, I wouldn't say that was the highlight. But that was sure. my favorite part. But you know what? I Your favorite part was the froggy croak. I, I do love frogs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, for a big yeah, frog. frog. In fact, you know what? Uh, I was once given a CD of 80 minutes of croaking frog <laughs> sound effects for my by birthday. By your parents. No, not by my parents. No. So, what'd you like about it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I always like her voice. I like things I can sing along to, which is fun. Um, this one, to me, sounded a little more dated. It sounded more like distinctly 80s, whereas Peekaboo, to me, sounds a little more timeless. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I thought it was well mixed. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot of fun stuff going on. N- not just the frogs croaking, but there was some weird guitar parts. It was heavy when it needed to be heavy yeah. to like you know really punch that chorus up there was like some weird guitar sound effects when they wanted to be a little stranger was there some cellos in there i'm not even sure um i was a bad guest i wasn't like picking up on all the i wasn't like i'm like a wine drinker mm-hmm. i just like chug it yeah i was not picking up on the notes yeah you gotta, <laughs> gotta swirl that song i do i really needed to like get your ears in there deep yeah. <laughs> sniff it before i chugged it down yeah so, uh, good for Susie and the Banshees. Um, right as the modern rock charts were coming along, they put out an album that was solid and had some good songs on it and, you know, reaped the benefits. So, nice yeah. work. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our third song, uh, which is finally a number one modern rock hit. Three weeks into November, U2 is finally displaced. All right. 
and dethroned. Dethroned. I'm sorry. I keep saying a word that's not dethroned. And I know you love dethroned. Uh, Do I always say dethroned? You. Uh, well, of course, it's the right word. You oh. two has been dethroned. I mean, they're they're you know they'll be back. Yeah, they'll be back. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, but the important point here is they've been dethroned by our first American band. Whoa. Yeah, this is we've heard ten songs so far, and not a single American band. So. Who's it going to be? Well, who's the biggest alternative American band at the time? I can see on your computer. So do you not? I guessing would be wrong. <laughs> you could just pretend like you're really smart. Mm, I think it could. I mean, 88? Maybe R.E.M.? You know what? You are right about that. It's <laughs> R.E.M. R.E.M. Um, do you know much about R.E.M.? Um, I know they're from Athens, Georgia. Yeah, I love that that's a fact that everyone seems to know. For whatever reason, uh, if you know anything at all about REM, you're like, well, they're from Athens, this town that I've never, ever heard of. I know the B-52s are also from there. Well, exactly. Uh, it's this town that it's, REM and, and B-52s are from. It's the cool town in Georgia. And, yeah, it's the one cool town. Yeah, that's what I know about it. Yeah, They're like from the South, but escaped having a Southern accent. Yeah. I'd so like to know more about that. Atlanta like burned at some point they got some peaches and then they've got this uh cool college town where all the american all right i mean atlanta is the big town but it's not considered like a cool town is it it's the hot town right hotlanta hotlanta yeah if you i mean if you're if you're a rapper it's the cool town right if you're not a rapper it's athens athens all the way i know they're a four-piece rock and roll band that's right and I know that Michael Stipe is currently rocking a huge beard. Huge beard. Yeah. And he looks exactly like David Letterman yeah. at the moment. They're like the same guy. Mm-hmm. So that's cool mm-hmm. for one of them. I won't say which. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So REM 1988. At this They've point, got lots of great songs. They Well, they do have lots of great songs. At this point, they have just released their sixth album. It's their first um, major label album. And they are something of critical darlings. I think my favorite thing about them is that they can go totally like goofy, silly, and totally serious mm-hmm. in the same breath. And everyone's like, I accept that. Mm-hmm. Although they haven't done too much goofy, silly up to this point. Not too much. Okay. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, that's a silly song. You think it is? I mean, the lyrics are not silly but the way it's presented is pretty like ha ha okay but i mean mo- most of their output up to this point has been fairly serious so anyway they've had five albums before this they've all been fantastically reviewed they're solid but mainstream success has largely eluded them they had kind of a surprise hit on a previous album with the one i love it's the one i love yeah it's a good one um you can see why it had some crossover appeal i think lyrically it's uh, simpler than a lot of their songs. So Definitely. it's something that like a mainstream audience can grab onto. Um, the mainstream audience at the Bush concert I went to when they covered it. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's an unusual choice for Bush. Bush. Um, so, so in 1988, uh, R.E.M. releases uh, the album Green, confusingly titled because it's... Clearly, it's orange. It's like an orange-yellow color. Yeah, it's confusing. But, you know, that's, that's what R.E.M. were about. Like, they, they like to it's mix a thinker. it up on you. Exactly. Why is this one not green? If it was just colored green, you just accept it for what it is. But now you go like, huh, let me contemplate that album. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's one of the things we love about R.E.M. Um, so the song, the song we're going to hear that hits number one um, and 
dethrones YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's called Orange Crush. It's on the Green Album. It's on the Green Album. It's called Orange Crush. They should on have the called Orange the album, album Orange Crush, and the song should be called Green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know this song? Yeah. Yeah. I know the song too. This is actually a really big song for me. As you know, I was not listening to a lot of music in 1988. You heard this in 1988? No. Okay, I definitely did. No, didn't. I didn't. Is this a Shakey's Pizza? No. Oh, okay. I heard a lot of songs at Shakey's Pizza. When I when I was hearing music, there was a good chance I was hearing it at Shakey's Pizza. So, you know, Phil Collins in the air tonight. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else was I hearing? You were hearing your classic rock there um, too, I thought. Bob Seger. What's yeah. the... Uh, Mm, old time rock, rock and roll. roll yep hearing some of that so you know that stuff was fine that stuff i i liked when i heard it at shakey's but you know it wasn't really grabbing me i think it was probably 1992 or 1993 and i was still not listening to any music really and there was a friend whose house i would go to every every day before school and he had some older siblings god bless those older siblings exactly god bless older siblings what would you do without them so yeah. for whatever reason and i could be misremembering but um, I, I remember him having a mix cassette that had a bunch of monkey songs on it. Uh, last train to Clarksville and daydream believer and Hey, Hey, we're the monkeys, which obviously I was going to love. Right. Oh my God. Of course. Uh, and then it had another person I thought I was going to marry. Davey had, Jones. Yeah. Well, how'd that work out? Didn't. No. I didn't realize they were so old. I thought I was watching all those shows in like real time. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sad. <laughs> so anyways, I, w- I was falling for those songs, 1992, 1993. Yeah. But also it had three singles from R.E.M.'s Green Album. Oh. Uh, including, of course, Orange Crush. And so like right from the start, first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this is something different. I've, you know, I had not really heard modern rock or alternative mm-hmm. rock prior to that. And this one just really grabbed me immediately. I liked all three of the singles I, I heard on the tape and I heard them Which a lot. Which were... Uh, that'd be Orange Crush, Pop Song 89, and Stand. Mm, stand, of course. Mm-hmm. I've heard Orange Crush many times, loved it immediately. It was like a gateway into modern rock or alternative rock for me, although I heard it in like 1993 instead mm-hmm. of 1988. Um, so, you know, it's a meaningful song for me. It's a good one. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it grabs you like right from the start, like the very first like drum pounds. Also, another little known fact, Crush is one of my favorite words of all time, and I'm not joking. I'm not like I was talking about bush. Mm-hmm. Crush is just a great word. So how do you feel about Stone Temple Pilots' crush? I just think anytime you use that word, it's good. Mm-hmm. It has a, like a lot of meanings. Dave Matthews Band? He says crush? Don't they have a song called crush? That's crash. I think they have a crash and a crush. I don't know their crush. I think you do. I know their crash. Hmm. I mean, that's like a sexy song, and I just like think of Dave Matthews, and he's he's not kinda the weird. antithesis it is kinda... of sexy, but he's like not sexy. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. It's a sexy song, and then you're like, it's this guy, and he just seems like a dude. Yeah, he's just like a dude. He's like, come over here, spread your legs, let me <laughs> show me not, the world, or that's something. Not quite what he says. <laughs> well, whatever. But, it's um. No, I you, get the gist. No, you know, Crush. <laughs> Crush is the one that's like eight and a half minutes long. That's Crush. I'm pretty sure. They had a song named Crush and Crash. Yeah. Although, no, hold on. Hold no. on. Mm, hold on. Hold on. I th- I could be wrong. I think maybe the album was called Crash and the song was called Crash Into You. Yeah. And then the other song was Crush. Crush, in, crush Into You. <laughs> it's called Crush Away From You. <laughs> 
um let's hear some let's hear some rem orange crush orange Orange crush Okay, so um, so it's about the war. Yeah, it is. It's it's about a young soldier going off to Vietnam, and I never like, you know, I always, I always think of REM lyrics as probably not meaning a whole lot. And you told me that they did that thing. I think. Well, I mean, I I heard at some point that during part of their career, they just kind of like chose random words and like stuck them together, and they didn't really mean a whole lot. Um, whether that's true or not, I do not know. That's just what I was told. I need a citation yeah, for that. Yeah, exactly. Quote, unquote, fact. MLA? <sighs> I'll take either APA or MLA. So, um, but but also, I think Michael Stipe's not always the easiest person to understand his lyrics. Yeah, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah, I think, I mean, exactly. I think, <laughs> I think he's known for being difficult to understand. And so I've heard this song many, many times, and I made out a few words, and I kind of fill in some fake words that clearly are not the actual lyrics. Um, but, you know, then I just like, don't think too hard about what the song's supposed to be about. Then I look up the song. It says it's about a young soldier going off to Vietnam. The Orange Crush is, is uh, referring to Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then suddenly, like, things start coming together, like, uh, I start noticing like this helicopter mm-hmm. propeller flapping sound. And then I start noticing there's like this kind of a uh, military cadence marching in time. Mm-hmm. And then there's like kind of a breakdown in the middle where it sounds like, you know, some kind of military leader, like shouting. He sounds Southern. Or, or commands of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says, uh, follow yeah. me. Don't follow, follow me. me. Don't follow me. I've got my spine. I've got my orange crush. Collar me. Don't collar me. I've got my spine. I've got my orange crush. We are agents of the free. I've had my fun and now it's time to serve your conscience overseas. Oh, I heard him say I've had my fun. Mm-hmm. Serve your conscience overseas. Mm-hmm. And then and then the next part's high on the booze in a tent paved with blood. Nine inch howl, brave the night. Chopper coming in, you hope. Yeah, like it's, getting, it's getting serious here. But yeah, like, dark. I've never picked any of that up. No. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. Was he trying to sneak one in, like like pull pull one over on on mainstream audiences? Like I've got this really cool, catchy song, and I'm gonna have like these anti-war lyrics, but I'm gonna sing in a way that no one will have any. When you're gonna call it Orange Crush, which people are not associating with anything. No, people are like, I like that soda. Right. I'm gonna buy this song. Right. Yeah. Clever. Yeah, very clever. Nice work, guys. Uh, I keep burping off mic from this beer that I drank. Oh, I can so. hear it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's coming it's in. It's like this. Uh, it's coming in fast. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting this like the stereo burp. It's like left channel, right channel. Oh my god! But I'll mix that center so, okay. so the audience doesn't have to worry it. about you the stereo. You want it in there? All yeah. right. Let's go ahead and talk about our fourth and final artist of the month of November, 1988. Um, our last band. Uh, I believe they went up as high as number six on the modern rock charts. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because even though they did not chart as high as as all the other bands we've heard, I would say I've probably heard this song 
significantly more times than all the other songs we've heard put together. Okay. And the song is Jane Says by Jane's Addiction. Yeah. They're still playing it every 45 minutes on modern rock alternative stations. Yeah. I was actually really surprised that it came out in 1988 because when I finally started listening to the radio, this was probably 1994, they played Jane Says like it was a brand new song. Brand new. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I knew it wasn't. I didn't know it was 88. I started listening to alternative music in early 93 and I thought it had come out like a year or two before, mm-hmm. but it was, it still played. I mean, yeah. all the time. Yeah. It still gets a lot of play. Yeah. Yeah. So something, something about the song is really grabbing people. Jane Says was the first single from Jane's Addiction's first studio album called Nothing's Shocking. Mm-hmm. Came out in 1988. Um, so they are one of the band's few of this time that kind of came onto the scene big and fast. Yeah, I mean, we've been hearing lots of bands that are on their fifth or sixth or eighth album. Yeah. Um, and only a few that are kind of on their first album or so. And of those bands that are on their first album, many of them, they really sound like, they sound like that 80s sound that's kind of going away. Jane's Addiction does not they sound, sound new. like that. They sound new. They, they do. They sound new. Um, and that's the that's really the reason I wanted to spotlight them here. Not, not just because it's a song that we know, but because I kind of look at this as like a harbinger of things to come. Yeah. Yeah. They're like kind of leading this wave um, that's still going to take a little while to arrive. But I, you know, I think they're an important band. I think they are bringing a sound that was not popular yet and will soon be popular. Yeah. One other thing I want to say, though, I, I think if you listen to Jane's Addiction, maybe Jane Says is not really representative of their sound. Not at all. Which is you know, kind of strange. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the other singles that they put out, I saw them live once. And then, so they played all the hits and probably some other stuff too. And Jane Says was, yeah, an anomaly. Anyway, let's, let's hear Jane Says. I'm sure you've heard it before, but let's hear it again. All right. done with you sergio oh jane <laughs> that guy's name is perry what's perry short for his name is pertriz <laughs> no what is it i can't see it from here um all right so that was that was jane says by jane's addiction his name is parrots <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> bernstein <laughs> so jane's addiction is led by frontman perry farrell yeah. But appara- apparently his real name is Peretz Bernstein. Oh, um, he's so Jewish. Peretz? Let's let's just be clear. Um, Orly, you are in fact Jewish. You're allowed to say that people are so Jewish. Yes, I'm allowed to do that because I'm Jewish. <laughs> Orly, of course. You don't even need to know my last name. You know I'm Jewish. It's Bernstein. Yeah, it's Bernstein. <laughs> he's, he's one of the Bernstein clan. <laughs> So, so <laughs> Parrots Bernstein, a.k.a. Perry Farrell. Uh, Are some people picturing this like multiple birds? Parrots. <laughs> <laughs> His name. <laughs> it's not. 
<laughs> it's parrot. There is okay. So, just just for those of you who don't know, um, <laughs> Jane's Jane's addiction is led by a group of wild parrots. I, I I'm blown away. I mean, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, I mean, did you I, know that was his name? I didn't know that was his name, but um, if my name was. I'll say parrots. Because it's, it's parrots. How, it's parrots. Okay. If it, my name was Parrots Bernstein, um, you know, I change it to Perry Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Parrots. Or Farrell. Yeah. I always said Perry Farrell. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, he is the leader of the band. He's kind of an unusual character. Definitely. You know, he he's um, intense. Um, founded Lollapalooza. That's right. He did. He founded Lollapalooza, a big alternative rock tour that later morphed into more of like an EDM festival, maybe. I guess. I don't know. He also later founded Porno for Pyros. Mm-hmm. So um, according to Internet, uh, the song Jane says, and the band's name, Jane's Addiction, um, are about a friend and former roommate of um, some of the band members named Jane. And um, clearly she had a struggle with drugs. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it had a big impact on them. I guess so. Yeah. I wonder what happened to Jane. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe best not to think about it. I don't know. Maybe. Um, what'd you think? I mean, you've you've heard Jane says a lot, obviously, um, but we're coming into it maybe with fresh ears. You know what? I had to put fresh ears on and I appreciate it so much more with fresh ears. I had to pretend that I didn't hear that song a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So um, this time paying attention, hearing those steel drums. The steel drums. <laughs> I know. It's weird. I never noticed the steel drums before and now it's all I can hear. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, it was okay. I, I can see why it was... It's a great song. Yeah. Obviously, it's a good song. Okay, so why did it's it... It's immediately striking. I think so. Immediately. So why only number six? The world's not quite ready for it? Maybe. Yeah, and it, I mean, not like all those songs had like big fat hooks or even choruses. But Exactly. Okay, but a lot of those other bands were established. I think that's what it is. I think that's a big part. They're established. This is their first album. They're already number six. They're already making that kind of a splash. So things are getting shook up mm-hmm. things are changing mm-hmm. in the rock world or in the music world in general yeah um okay this, so this show's an hour long yeah well it's gonna be cut down it's gonna be 12 <laughs> minutes i'm this is gonna be a two minute show i'm just playing the 30 second clips back to back that's it <laughs> the rest of it garbage <laughs> okay so um that i guess brings us to the end of our show if you have any comments or suggestions or um, questions questions yeah uh send us a line uh you can contact uh, us at this is modern rock at gmail.com is there anything else we want to say i just feel like i learned so much about jane's addiction tonight yeah do you feel closer to the band i do yeah i do um all right well thanks for joining us we'll catch you next time this is will westerkow i'm orly have a good evening or not, you might be listening to it in the morning. It's a podcast. You can listen yeah. to it whenever you want. It could be any time of day. Have a good any time of day. <laughs> <laughs>